I'm Hannah. And I'm Matt Hannah. And this is Horror Hour with the Hannahs. And scary movies. Matthew. <laughs> I'm trying to get simpler with it every time. This is a podcast <laughs> where we watch all your favorite scary movies. That's Matt's line. Okay. Anyway, today we are joined by our friends at Is It Horror? Hi, guys. Hello. We were just on your podcast recently. That's out. So go check them out. But we'll give you guys a second to introduce, plug yourself, say whatever you want to say. Yeah. So uh, my name's Steve. And then we've got Brianna here with us as well from Is It Horror? Uh, So what we do on our show is uh, we analyze media not traditionally thought of as horror. And uh, we try and look at the intent of the creative forces behind it, the audience reception, and then the movie itself, all in an effort to better define the horror genre. And uh, it's one of those things where there's no wrong answers. So if you agree with our take, that's awesome. If you don't, that's awesome too. It's just all trying to further analyze this genre that we all love. Awesome. And where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find us on uh, Instagram and the social media platform formerly known as Twitter at uh, Is It Horror Pod. And you, of course, email us as well as Is It Horror Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, that is where we are most active. And you can listen to us pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. So perfect. Definitely go give them a listen. They definitely have some really interesting, thought provoking discussions. And we were recently on their episode covering The Shining. National Lampoon's The Shining. Shut up. <laughs> um, we'll definitely end up covering that at some point, but we're going to give it some space since we just watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but today, we are talking about The Cabin in the Woods. The Cabin in the Woods is a 2011 comedy horror film directed by Drew Goddard in his directorial debut, produced by Josh Whedon, and written by both Josh Whedon and Drew Goddard. You might recognize the name Josh Whedon as he directed The Avengers and Age of Ultron. That is where I knew him from. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, come on. Yeah. Firefly, (laughs) gotta mention Firefly. Okay, all right. I guess I didn't know this man as well as you guys did. He's a big deal. (laughs) But, um... This also stars Chris Hemsworth, Richard Jenkins, and Bradley Whitford as like the three most recognizable names, um, along with Kristen Connolly and Frank Cans in the starring roles as Dana and Marty. So it is a fun one. So let's get straight into it. Have you guys seen this movie before? I saw it right when it first came out because... Um... Before we all found out collectively as a world how problematic Joss Whedon was, I was definitely invested in all of his stuff. So all I needed to know is that he was involved in making a horror movie and I was uh, planning to see it opening night and, and did so. I totally forgot it was him until Hannah pulled up Wikipedia right before this. And I was like, wait, um, Josh Whedon did this? I didn't know this bad stuff about Josh um, Whedon. His section. You didn't know this? <laughs> no, I think I did hear it and <laughs> I forgot. Because like yeah. he's not an important he's person not good. in my life. Yeah, he has a whole section on Wikipedia called Accusations of Workplace Harassment. Yeah, he's not yeah. good. Excellent. What about you, Brianna? So I'm pretty sure the first time I saw this was when it first hit like streaming platforms. I don't remember if it was Netflix or what. Um, And I remember watching this and I loved it up until the ending. And I was so pissed off about the way it ended. Don't know why. 
but I constantly like rewatched it every like, you know, spooky season and it grew on me and it is now like, I think it's in like my top five. Like this is one of my very favorite movies. I love the turnaround. What about you, Matt? When did you first see it? I think the first time I watched it, you and I watched it together. Oh, I didn't see it when it came. Out. I thought you had seen it before you showed mm. it to me. No, no, I think I really wanted to watch it and I forced you okay. to watch it and took, I feel like it took a while to make you watch yeah, it. Yeah, because I was going to say, pre-Matt, I did not like horror movies, <laughs> um, so I certainly did not I watch it her. until Matthew. I converted you. Good job. Yeah. Spreading he the did, good word. He did do a good job. Um, it took, Nightmare on Elm Street is what, what did it for me, and then I was hooked. But... Yeah, I don't remember. I think I thought it was funny, but like I hadn't seen a lot of the horror movies that it references. So there were definitely things that were lost on me, but I still enjoyed it either way. Like it's funny yeah, like and enjoyable it. regardless if you know what they're talking about or not. I think that's I think one it, of the good things about it is it doesn't require you to get all the references to have fun with this movie. I mean, it's it's icing on the cake if you do, but it's not mm-hmm. necessary. Yeah, like it's a fun movie regardless, but then all of the like parody is and, makes more sense when you've seen other genre movies. And I will say, and this is a teaser for later in the episode, so keep listening. I find this to be an extremely pro art movie. So, but I want to hold off on that. Ooh. I know you hate so <laughs> pro art. Oh, I'm interested to pro hear art. that. Yes. Yeah. But th- when we get to themes, everyone has to hold hold on until then. So. <laughs> I'm excited for the theme section. I'm going to let Matt just word vomit <laughs> all up in here. It's going to be exciting. So we're going to jump into our 15-second summaries. So on our show, we do time 15-second summaries where we just, like, off the cuff explain what we think the movie's about. Um, I'll let Matt go first. Kill I always make him go first because I get nervous, but especially when we have guests, like, you got to see how <laughs> on, am I right? So... I'm going to count you down. Ready? Okay. Three, two, one, go. A slasher movie is made in a lab without all the care that an artist would give it. Ooh. There you go. <laughs> Ooh. That's all I got. Seven seconds. Who's going to beat it? <laughs> is there a prize for the lowest time? No. No, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, like to, I say that every time. So. Big on incentive. Right. I'm just saying that would be amazing. If you can go as faster than seven seconds, go ahead. You will have. I cannot. Or, or, I am yeah. a queen of ums, ahs, and I don't knows. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you'll have our praise if that's a reward. <laughs> that's all they can I'll offer. take it. Again, highly motivated. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, okay, I can go, but it's not going to go well. Shit. Oh, I'm so it. nervous. Right. You ready? Mm-hmm. Go. Group of teens go out in woods. Simultaneously, people in lab somewhat control their behaviors. Hilarity ensues. That was 10 seconds. You're good. I think it was close. better than I thought it would go. <laughs> All right. Which one of you wants to go next? Uh, I'll go if you need another second, Brianna. Yeah, go for it. All, All right. right. I'm ready. Tell me when to go. All right. Three, two, one, go. Five college students go to an old abandoned cabin in the woods, and then every single horror movie happens. Perfect. Nailed yep. it. Nope, that's it. <laughs> Stunning Yeah, I can't top that. I really can't. <laughs> that's okay. If you don't want to go, you don't have to. We have three. But oh, no. if you go, I'm going to give it a whirl, oh, but okay, I think Steve might have just it. won. 
Yeah, I think Steve won. All right, I'll count you down. Three, two, one, go. Five young things commune with nature, go into hellscape. Hilarity ensues. Love. Okay. Perfect. That was actually the, that was the fastest. Oh, second fastest. Okay. Wait, how much was yours? Seven. Seven. Oh, hers was the you fastest. Won. You did win. <laughs> Okay, you may you may praise me now. You may praise me. Stunning performance. That was amazing. And it will never get better than that. You are the queen of podcast. All right. So we've done our 15 second summaries. Matt, do you want to give us our full film summary? This is the speed read summary time. I think I prepped well. So are we ready? We good? All right. In an underground laboratory, engineers Gary Sitterson and Steve Hadley discuss a mysterious ritual after a similar operation in Stockholm just ended in failure. American college students Dana, Jules, Kurt, Holden, and Marty are spending their weekend at Kurt's cousin's cabin in the woods. From the lab, Sitterson and Hadley remotely control the cabin and manipulate the students by intoxicating them with mind-altering drugs. In the cabin cellar, the group finds many bizarre objects, including the diary from which Dana recites incantations, summoning a zombie family. Hadley releases pheromones to induce Kurt and Jules to have sex outside. They are attacked by zombies, and Jules is decapitated while Kurt escapes. Marty discovers concealed... Uh, surveillance cameras equipment in his room before being stabbed and dragged off by a zombie. The lab workers learn the right in Japan has failed, meaning that the American right is humanity's last hope. Kurt, Holden, and Dana attempt to escape in their RV, but Sitterson triggers a tunnel collapse to block them. Kurt attempts to jump a ravine on his motorcycle, but crashes into a force field and falls to his death. Holden and Dana then realize their experience is staged and controlled. Holden is killed by a zombie while driving the RV, causing it to crash in the lake, but Dana manages to escape. The lab employees, seeing that Dana is the only survivor, celebrate the success of the right until they discover that Marty is still alive. Marty takes Dana to a hidden elevator he discovered where they descend into a lab and discover a large collection of different monsters in cages. Dana correlates them with the objects in the cabin cellar and realizes that the objects determine which monsters are released. Cornered by security personnel, the pair release all the monsters which wreak havoc and slaughter the staff. Hadley is killed and Dana accidentally stabs Sitterson. Dana and Marty discover an ancient temple where they are confronted by the director. She explains the worldwide annual rituals of human sacrifice are held to appease the ancient ones, a group of cruel subterranean deities. Each region has its own ritual, and the American rituals involve the sacrifice of five archetypes. The whore, Jules, the athlete, Kurt, the scholar, Holden, the fool, Marty, and the virgin, Dana. The order is arbitrary as long as the whore dies first and the virgin dies last or survives. The director urges Dana to kill Marty to complete the ritual, as other rituals failed that year. Dana is attacked by a werewolf. While a zombie kills the director, Marty proceeds to kill all except Dana. Deciding that humanity is not worth saving, Dana and Marty share a joint. The temple floor collapses and a giant hand emerges from the ground, destroying the faculty, or excuse me, the facility and the cabin as the world ends. And that's it. So. So did you guys scream or hide it all while <laughs> watching this movie? This is one that I've never found particularly scary. So I think the best I can, and the, it's slightly over a decade old now, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure exactly how I reacted to it the first time in the theater. If anything, I might have been got by the uh, title card jump scare. <laughs> but otherwise, I think probably not. <laughs> what about you, Brianna? So I don't think that this one is particularly scary. There were a few jump scares that definitely got me, though. Um, but this is definitely like one of those delightful romp horror movies where you're mm -hmm. just like, oh, that's so cute. Like, I just I don't know. I really there's a lot. of, But the, yet there's enough blood and carnage um, and on screen gore to kind of temper that out. So it it really leans into the horror genre all the way around. Yeah, I certainly didn't scream or hide this time around, although this is the third or fourth time I've seen it. So you know, I knew it was going to happen. 
But I did jump or like twitch really severely <laughs> twice, one of which upset my dog enough that he walked away from me and sat with Matt like six feet away because he was like, why would you move me like that, woman? Your dog was like, you're way too extra right now, woman. Yeah. So it scared me enough, apparently. But yeah, not like I just, dreamy. Or I laughed scary. a lot. Yeah, I did laugh yeah. a lot. The movie makes me giggle. Which it's, is definitely it's a lot point. funnier than scary. Yeah. <laughs> I like that it was it was rather clever in its humor too. Like it didn't just do, you know, slapstick or, you know, splat stick as they call it. I really thought it was it was intelligently written. Mm-hmm. Josh Whedon is a good writer. And I feel like he gets a bad rap for writing because like the Marvel movies turned into such dog shit. And they're like, this is Josh Whedon dialogue. And it's like, no, if you go back, like he wrote them like real characters and like real people. It just like became a character of that. Mm-hmm. But fuck that guy anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For real. yeah. Yeah. I think overall the humor definitely impacts me more than the scares. But I mean, it's a comedy horror film. So that's cool. So much more than just a comedy horror film. I know. <laughs> it is art, honey. You'll get into it. Any other overall like thoughts on the movie before we dive into the nitty gritty about what we liked or didn't like. I got nothing. Any fun facts? Um, I don't know if anyone here plays the video game left for dead too, but at one point they were considering putting together a uh, DLC for that game that was going to tie into this movie. And so one of the relics that's hanging around in that is uh, a spoiler territory at this point, if we haven't already said but when you do see all of the various creatures that are down below, if you're eagle-eyed, you can see a couple of the creatures from the ge- the game Left 4 Dead 2. Oh, I didn't know boxes. that. That's a so, great fun so fact. Fun. It's kind of cool. Love that. All right. So let's sure. get into what we liked. Get us going. Oh, I mean, we already said it's very funny. Um, the backdrop of the lab is just so like genius to me. And like having that be a completely different movie, basically, and they have their own uh, exciting things going on, like the tunnel not being collapsed and like needing to like rush to make mm-hmm. have that done. Just like really, I mean that 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 is what the movie is. Like that's what like makes separates this movie from anything else. And uh, I forget his name. The dad from Step Brothers is just knocking it out of the park, as he always does. Mm-hmm. As uh, that's Richard sit, Jenkins, Sittinson or Sitterson. Yeah, he was uh, he was in Six Feet Under. Is that correct? Yes. I see that. I think that was probably my first uh, thing that I saw him in. Loved him as an actor ever since. So yeah, He's 10 great. stars on his performance. Yeah. This is like one of his best where it's like this mix of serious and comedy. Like I really, it just plays into exactly like the kind of actor he is. I can't look at him without thinking of him like stopping a fucking <laughs> dinosaur and get a job. I was going to say that. <laughs> Oh, it's, I've seen that movie once, so those references are gonna. Oh, all right, no separate references. I haven't seen it in no, you're fine, years, Nathan. but the stopping a fucking dinosaur and get a job really impacted yeah. me. You're eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the humor in this, like we've said, so good. A couple of the quotes that I wrote down that I thought were funny, and these were both Marty quotes because I love him. Um, He's great. I think his comedic, like his delivery is so good. It, it's a shame he's not in more. Mm-hmm. The actor, yeah. he's really stand out in this. recently been on Broadway. Like, right. Damn, we missed that, it. That's fantastic. What show? He was in Death of a Salesman a oh, couple you of years ago, and he's been in something else more recent, but 
I didn't well, yeah, know. All right, we gotta go see him. But one of the quotes is when they're at the gas station, and it's like the oldest gas station of all time. He says, I don't think it knows about money. It's a pro-barter gas station. <laughs> and I laughed out loud. Um, he also is like talking about how like he can hear the voice like suggesting things Boss to them. Inside, and yeah. so it goes, go for a walk. And he's like, I'm the master of my own brain. Like, I'm not listening to that. I'm going to go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> And the delivery of those lines is just so funny. Like, I just find him a really compelling character and a great actor. I also just think, I mean, I think all of the the, the script is really tight in terms of, like, the comedic aspect. But something else I really enjoy is that they differentiate zombie and zombie redneck torture family. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, I love that everyone in the lair is, like, secretly a horror nerd, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. 100%. And I think the yeah, thing that's interesting too is like you should you should hate everyone in the facility, right? In the hands of someone else, maybe you would, but they did an excellent job of making all of them likable, like you said before, compelling. Um, but yeah, in an, in another director's hands, another writer's hands, you would hate everyone in that facility and think of mm-hmm. them as just the monsters of the whole thing, worse than anything being unleashed. Yeah, I feel like it really, it does, like, humanize them in a funny way. Even, like, the scene of them all, like, making bets. It's incredible. Yeah. I love that. I think everyone has worked a grind nine-to-five job, and that's just what it is to them. They set that up in the opening scene before that fun title card jump Mm -hmm. scare. It's like, this is another day at the office for them. And that's, like, what's it's almost an office buddy comedy in some ways. (laughs) Like, But things you guys liked, anything that, like, really stands out. I really liked Marty, Sitterson, and Hadley. I think they were the standout best characters to me. Um, I think, uh, like I said, I we'll get into it, I suppose, a little bit later from the looks of things. But uh, I enjoy the satirical, the satirical nature of the film in mm-hmm. general. Although sometimes that rubs me the wrong way. Um, but yeah, I. I just th- this movie is a lot of fun. It's one that I can put on pretty much any time and enjoy. Mm-hmm. You can tell us about the yeah. like satirical part now and like what, what you don't like. What rubbed you the wrong way? Well, so I think it comes down a little bit to what Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard talked about in making the film in the first place. I think that this is them analyzing what they do and don't like about the horror genre. And I, I don't think anyone's going to sit there and dispute that. But anyway, I you know it's them analyzing what they do and they don't like about it. And I think sometimes when they're getting to the things they don't like about the horror genre, it comes off maybe feeling a little bit judgmental towards people that do still enjoy the horror genre. Um, so, for instance, one of the things I know that they were reacting to in making this film is they didn't like what you know, at the time was termed and thought of popularly as torture porn. So that was part of their reaction towards it as if to say that thing is intrinsically bad. And maybe those who like it, there's intrinsically a problem with, and I don't care for that thought process because I think that you could find value in any sort of artistic work. And uh, so I guess just some of those things, I think overall, it's good, but yeah, occasionally it unintentionally or intentionally maybe has an air of uh, we think this is better than other horror and maybe better than the fans of it. I get that. 
And I think I, I see what you're going for. Do you feel though that, and more on the positive side, does it pay homage to a lot of these like horror films in in good light? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think for the most part, it's it's all about love for the genre. And I won't say it's like that's the defining feature, and it certainly doesn't keep me from watching it. But sometimes it's one of those things where you can see a little bit of that in aspects of it. But for the most part, it's just love and appreciation for the genre as a whole and and pointing out some of these tropes that we have of it, that we like of it. That we, I don't I think I mostly like the satire of it. Okay. What do you think, Brianna? Any thoughts on that or like in general, what you might have liked from the movie? I definitely agree with uh, pretty much everything that everyone has said here. But the things that really stood out to me is I like that this kind of and I guess this plays into the satire element. This sort of turns horror on its head a little bit. Like, you know, the the jock is a sociology major who's mm-hmm. this huge academic. And, yeah. you know, his blonde girlfriend isn't a natural blonde and, you know, is a med student. I just, I think that it was really awesome, um, you know, that the folks underground were using all these little tricks and, and things to, you know, get these main characters who we're invested in and rooting for just completely change into these stereotypical, you know, horror tropes. It just, I just enjoyed the whole thing because it was fun to me over everything else. It was just fun. I don't mm-hmm. think it yeah. took itself too seriously. The virgin's I mean, also the fucking her teacher. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Please, exactly. Please talk about the merman though. Cause the merman is scary. <laughs> the merman is freaking terrifying. Like, let's just put that out there. I know. <laughs> no, the bloody I, blowhole. That was, uh, <laughs> It, it, really it the, was effective, is what I'm saying. That might be the scariest scene in the movie. It is. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I like that you talked about like the evidence of the n- manipulation before we really get into the nitty gritty. Like before you actually realize what they're doing, and we first like meet the five college students. We the girl just dyed her hair blonde. Other girl, the virgin, was sleeping with her professor. We learned that right away. The jock reads famous literature. He's, like, talking about, like, Russian literature. Yeah. Where and, did you get these? <laughs> At the books. Um, I'm watching you. That line is so funny. Um, and then as the movie goes on, like you said, we learn Kurt is a sociology major on full scholarship. And that um, the blonde... Oh, I forget her name. She's pre-med. Jules, Jules is pre-med, yeah. and she's smart enough that they needed to put drugs in her hair dye to make her the dumb blonde. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just think that those elements are so clever. But I do like that even if you don't know what's going to happen, I do think they kind of, like, slide the manipulation in there real early to have you yeah. kind of questioning what's going on here. And, and a trope I, like, love that they make fun of here is the gas station, the, the, the Harbringer. Yeah. It's just so funny to me. Like, it's so over the top. And I know, I'm pretty sure the first Friday the, Friday 13th had mm-hmm. something exactly like that. Yep. And, it just like it really like uh, makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, rides wrote, in on a bike to tell you you're doomed. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down, and I was gonna kind of talk about this later with like the purpose and themes, but it does, like we've said, parody a number of classic horror tropes. So, gas station attendant who serves as a warning is present in at least Friday the Thirteenth and Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. Um, the spooky basement, Night of the Living Dead, Evil Dead, at a minimum. 
the sexually promiscuous dies first, which we see in Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw, Yachty, every slasher, final girl, again, take your pick, Halloween, Friday the 13th, etc. Um, all of the villain options come from various horror films, like the puzzle box Hellraiser guy or the angry molesting tree from the evil dead. Oh my God. I love that. That's what they call it. Somewhere with all the monsters, right? Like even the ones that aren't really touched Mm on. I love that. Like I would, I would give anything to see like spinoff films of like just exploring each individual monster. I would watch that like into the twenties in terms of sequels. There were so many better monsters, and I think that's very purposeful to pick the most boring one possible. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like really like actually like cuts me. But that's the point: is it's like it's supposed to be boring as shit. It's not supposed to be a good movie. Like the what the lab is trying to make. Yeah, yeah. The movie that they're making up top is supposed to be the most run of the like run of the mill thing, homogenized as much as possible. Right, taking the characters that are complex and diverse and different, and then forcing them into the archetypes for horror. It's it it's funny. It really like it really is. Well, we also (laughs) have the classic like the. The wind must have blown it open. Oh, and it was the- <laughs> which they say in Evil Dead, right? Almost verbatim in that moment, yeah. and make fun of how stupid it is, even in that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, even them like jumping into the lake and swimming in the lake was giving Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. for me, since we had just seen yeah. it. Um, when Dana's holding a knife at one point, they like the- shock, and she drops the knife. That like, was crazy. In every fucking slasher where the girl like drops the weapon for no reason. It's really they don't stuck stick around for the kill shot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. they don't that. I wrote that one down too. That shock thing. I, they didn't say anything. They just showed it, and she dropped the knife. And I, that was the first time I noticed it. I think. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Holy shit!" Like that is such a fun touch. Yeah. That they're controlling everything. So those are the main ones I wrote down. But I mean, that's yeah. a lot of notes right off. No, the I know. It's just a lot of fun <laughs> things we like. Yeah. It's just a, it's a fun movie. Yeah. I also do like. Again, in the beginning of the movie, like, we don't really know what's going on in terms of, like, the lab side versus what they're doing. But then we see the bird, like, fly into the dome and mm-hmm. die. And we see, like, the glittery lights that shows that they're in, like, force the field. little force field dome thing. And again, like, I think that's really clever the way, like, they slowly let it, you into it until it's like, boom, this is what's happening. Yeah, this blended sci-fi elements into horror, and I'm like, oh man, I'm such a purist. Like nobody agrees with me that Aliens not a horror movie, Steve. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I thought that that was something interesting that they kind of popped in there as well. Like it all worked, even though you know we have this high-tech lab underground, and you know there's you know puppets, puppet masters pulling the strings all over the world. I don't know, it just worked for me, and it was a delightful ride. Well, but also we want to talk. It's a horror movie, though, so I I agree with that. I'm gonna disown you, Steve. I swear, <laughs> like it's gonna happen. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I tolerate I, I you. I can deal with it. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Anything that we didn't love about it? I know, Steve, you talked a little bit about something that kind of bothered you. Anything else that we have that might be a con of this movie or something that didn't work? I guess I'll also say, and this is left open to interpretation, but I think that maybe part of that satire and some of the bit that I didn't like, in in a way, it feels maybe a little bit like um, it's maybe Joss Whedon and Goddard sort of blaming boring horror movies on 
studios and audiences and leaving themselves out of the uh, criticism for it is like, obviously we want to do interesting and unique things, but the studio and the audience won't let us. The audience will get mad and, you know, wake from their slumber and destroy the world. And uh, <laughs> the studio wants it to be as, you know, by the numbers as possible. So I don't know. That's another thing, just as far as like their in film meta critique that maybe might bug me a little bit above it. I, I don't mean to make it sound like I don't like the movie. I love this movie, but yeah, if I have to nitpick, that would be another thing I would nitpick well, about. You, you touched on what I'll be talking about in themes a bunch, but I took away a little bit of a different message. So, okay. <laughs> I do think it's I'm funny. We didn't get to see more of the ancient ones. Like I wanted to see a little bit more of like what was coming to devour the earth. Like, you know, call me Lovecraftian, but like there better be some tentacles or something. You got to look at us. It's us. Awesome. It's the audience. Oh, We're the no. ancient one. <laughs> hey, I'm not that I'm 40. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're, the, we're the angry people watching it, right? So. Yep. <laughs> I don't feel like I have anything I didn't like. Yeah, it's tough. You know what? This is a dumb complaint, but we watched it during the daytime. Oh, the and I couldn't see shit in this movie. So I don't yeah, think it was lit. Point. I don't think it had very intentional lighting would be my complaint. Mm -hmm. Um, like you should still be able to see things in dark movies. And it's like, there were times where I was like, I can't, it's only like the, t the sun was shining on our TV. It was just the afternoon and I couldn't see anything. It was so. reminding me of the last season episode of game of Thrones. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. 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 And it's the darkest episode it's ever put on TV. And they were like, well, it was at night. So it's I, fine. I, no, it's like they've been shooting movies at night or day for night for since the history of cinema. And we've been able to see those. So you can't fall back on that. I, yeah. I had a long rant during our <laughs> Halloween episode about how it's like, this is one of the most well-lit movies. I have seen like why have we gotten worse like it was cheaper I was like why are the new Halloween movies poorly lit when you have this one it's I, I think it's a speed thing and a cost thing and maybe a lost art I don't know but it frustrates me because I think I think uh what's his name Peter Jackson like explained it really well one time with the Lord of the Rings where um what's his name Sean Astin was like well, where's the light coming from when they're on a mountain and like, there's no light. And he goes, I don't fucking know. Where's the music coming from? <laughs> like, like, it's not there. You need to light scenes. It doesn't need to be natural. It doesn't need to be what it would really look like. Like, so that's my, my rant. Let's get better. At lighting I appreciate it if they can figure out a way to make it feel natural, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's not necessary. We all kind of accept a degree of unreality in it. I think as special effects get better, we get less accepting of having to play some pretend as the audience. I maybe, but I feel like well lit movies. I don't think about it. Like I, I, I yeah. again, I talk about Halloween. That famous shot of like Michael's face, like being in in darkness and then slowly being like lit up, right? Like I don't question that, because I'm too scared of Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. But sorry, I digress. This is I, I feel strongly about it. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's probably my only complaint as well, just because my eyes hurt. Yeah. straining to try and see what the fuck was happening. I had to go dad mode and stand on my, like, holding my knees in front of the TV to look at it. You it's know? absurd. <laughs> absurd movie watching position. But, I, yeah, that would be, I think, my only complaint. I think this, it, it hits everything it's going for. So it's, like, hard to find something to be, like, upset about for mm -hmm. me. So. Yeah, I have to, I don't know, resort to the meta commentary to have any problems yeah. with it <laughs> I, I guess i could complain that the zombies are boring but that's the point so it's like it leaves you yeah. wanting more so but yeah that it, is the point and so they and like, they let they release all that when they release the monsters and let me see that 
but man, I would have loved to see, I would have loved to see the mermaids. You know, he was <laughs> right all along. The mermaids. He had the conch in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> I still wonder, like, how much of a horde of them would you have to... I mean, because if they're at the lake, like, they blow the conch, and then they go in the lake, and then they get killed. But what if they weren't swimming again? Are they just going to see these guys all, like, flopping onto land, crawling? I feel like you could get away from that pretty easy. Uh, Well, not with the laboratory (laughs) controlling you, you know? (laughs) That's true. true. They had all their drugs in there. You know what? One more thing I forgot to talk about with Marty, which is that I feel he acts as, like, the audience audience's commentary. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Marty yeah, is the peanut gallery for us, and it's perfect. He's definitely my favorite character, I think, of mm-hmm. like, you know, the core of group that we're looking at here. I, first of all, can I just like, do they make those coffee bongs? Because that's brilliant and it doubles as a blunt force trauma weapon. Like, I am sold. <laughs> You're giving me caffeine, THC, and a weapon. I'm on board. <laughs> they should sell those. Brandom. Captain really the Woods. Marty's mugs. Just make it happen. You heard it here first. TM, TM. You're welcome. The idea, though, of him just being so good at smoking weed and doing so many drugs that the drugs that they give him just don't affect him is so funny to me. (laughs) Like, yeah. And then he's able to act as like, like the me bitching at the characters on TV. Like, stop! Don't do that! Like, why would you do that? That's him. Mm -hmm. And I love. We should split up. Really? Yeah. Really. (laughs) Justice for Marty. Yeah. I love it when he's like, I had to dismember that guy with a trowel. What have you been up to? Like, there's just <laughs> lines and lines of just brilliance that tumbles out of his mouth. It's delightful. Yeah. I want he, more. Yeah, he's definitely my favorite performance in this film. Everything he says is so funny and well-delivered, and it hits home. Yeah, for sure. So, right. do we have any favorite scenes? Definitely the elevator slaughter montage. Ten stars. It is really good. Yeah. You want to tell anything else? What any? What's your favorite monster? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not fair. I can't pick one. All right, Steve, you go first. Give me time. Um, I I don't know if I have a, a necessarily like an all time favorite, but at least one that stood out to me on this particular watch is I liked the robot with the buzzsaw arm sort of a la, I mean, it's not nearly the same thing, but sort of a la chopping mall of just like evil robot running around, cutting people up. Um, As far as favorite scenes though, I would say I, one of the things that really stands out to me too is kind of a weird one, but you know, when the, when the quote unquote movie ends, when our final girls being attacked on the dock and now everyone's downstairs having their after party, they're, they're not watching the movie anymore. They're maybe discussing the movie a little bit with the critiques or they're going on about their lives, talking about work again and, and just how that perfectly sort of replicates when the movie's over and now you're all getting up from your seats and chit chatting. Steve, I'm pissed. Cause that was mine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Up. I love that. Like the, when the music starts playing and it kind of zooms yes. out to then show them watching it on the monitor is so funny. Like her just getting the shit kicked out of her. They're popping champagne. The interns <laughs> going, I'm an intern. I don't qualify for PTO. Like, like the conversations they're having is so like funny to got me. These tickets to that favorite ballet of yours and she just walks off. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think that is absolutely my favorite scene. So we're on the same page. What's your favorite monster? Oh, um, there's a part where you see a ghost actually just rip the soul out of a guy in the background. 
And I found that to be, I, I didn't notice that before. And I was like, oh, holy shit. That, that guy, he like literally pulls the soul out of a guard and just flies away. I feel like that might be my favorite, whatever that was. My favorite creature was hands down the unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Just- Thank you. Because that was my honorable mention was the stabby murderous unicorn. Yes. It was, that was wonderful. Does anyone know what movie that references? Any idea? Was I- it? It wasn't no, because legend isn't horror, but I think I remember a unicorn like shish kebabbing someone in that at some point. That might be probably something exists somewhere, but I can't yeah. help but think that's maybe just a random inspiration, but no horror movie being referenced. But I could be wrong. Either way, I loved it. Genius. Um, whoever came up with that originally points to them. And the mermaid, or the merman. The merman was also yeah. like we said fucking horrifying i feel like my favorite scene is the same as brianna um the elevator slaughter (laughs) it's just so well done in a movie that is already very well done it's definitely a great like tension release where it's Mm -hmm. like i wanted to see these damn monsters like you teased me and to actually like give it to me like i can't ask for more Mm mm-hmm but I didn't also, see witches or sexy witches, I, and they were I, both on the same. board. Yeah, I said that during. I said, "Where are the sexy witches?" <laughs> <laughs> Again, there should be multiple movies based on this franchise. Come on, people! I I can't really choose a monster because there there are so many so many good ones. Like I literally had to go back and like rewatch the you know the montage. To really appreciate the mayhem and carnage that was happening. It was just so well executed, no pun intended. But I think I really love the sugar plum fairy. That thing is so fucking creepy with all the teeth in her face Mm -hmm. and the little, you know, tutu. And she's just, you know, like doing her little pirouettes among the carnage in on one of the TV screens later in in the movie. It just, Mm -hmm. that was really creepy. Things that are supposed to be innocent and are evil, they really get to me. That is a good point. That's why creepy children and everything are horrifying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Cool. It's time to time to talk about some themes of this movie and the, the meta commentary. Go for it. Right. I'm going to let you go. Let, let me talk about Because I think I, Steve touched on it. But we're going to go. This is the world we're going to build. Is that The gods are us and the box office. Right? The gods are the audience. Cool. The director is obviously the director. And the lab is everyone that makes these movies happen. And uh, so let me look, I think, oh, and I said Marty's like kind of the viewers ideas of what they're watching and like their reaction to it. Um, So we covered all that. Obviously, they're trying to make the most run of the mill slasher that they possibly can, because that is what what makes money. Right. That's what the studio says makes money. I think I think we're on the same page here. Uh, I think there were some notes that I think Marty basically said, oh, they want to see us punished was something they say, which is like, that's what the audience wants. And like, why it's for, for being young, right? This is just uh, the thing that the trope dictates that we have, have to go to. Um, and I also say right at the beginning, Marty kind of talks about how that society is too glued together and too proper and that it needs to crumble. And I think he's speaking about the horror industry as it was at the time, or Really, I guess any movie industry where the studios, as I think you said before, Steve, are like kind of dictating what is being made. Um, That's why they do at the end choose to allow the everything to crumble, right? Allow the movie to fail as it does. And for me, I found that to be very like pro art as in they're saying 
let's we need to let this fail so that we can get away from the like tropes we need to like make some we need to like let artists make their art instead of like going for that and I, every country has their own tropes that need to be hit and it's instead of saying like let's do it it's like let's let it crumble let's let the audience like lash out let's be able to let's allow artists to make the art again and that's kind of like what i got from it i don't think that our ideas on it are mutually exclusive um it's kind of what i was talking about on the negative side of it right is that they're they're advocating for the artistic merit of it and being able to do whatever they're feeling creatively to do. But I do feel that, as you pointed out, unless I'm misunderstanding, part of, I think, the message of the film is that they're feeling stifled both by studios that want things that seem like a guaranteed win and audiences that want to see more of the same. So it is a little bit, I feel like, saying, yes, it's pro-art, but it's also saying you two elements are kind of part of the problem that's stifling art. Yeah, I think that you're probably right. The problem is audiences don't know what they want. And that right. is kind of hard because audiences will say, hey, we want this and then not show up for it. So it's like hard to say, but maybe the idea in it is like we are too focused on box office and like I, that's capitalism, right? That's that's going to be what leads to our, our, our problem there. Where if uh, we are less focused on box office and like make art for art's sake, that would like be a better world to live in. And I think my oh, biggest absolutely example, yeah, I'm I think, on board with that. The second you monetize somebody's art form, it's going to lose a little bit of its you know being genuine, being honest, being raw. Like sometimes it doesn't need to be so refined. And you know, there's oh, you want a tangent? Here's a tangent. So I feel like there's been this trend of, you know, quote unquote, elevating the horror genre, genre, which is fine. I've seen a few that, you know, aren't so bad, but on the whole, on the whole, I just feel that this, this genre in general doesn't take itself so seriously. And that's kind of the beauty of it is that there's a facet for everything. So there's my rant. I, and I, I fully agree. I, I think that mo this movie is pro, like we should have all these subgenres, oh, yes. like make yeah, more than sure. just, and, and I think maybe 2011 was coming off of the very like mean horror movies that all felt very oh, yeah. samey. And so like, I do think this is kind of a response to that in some ways, but, and, and they like, name check the fact that they're responding to that too. You can find interviews of Joss Whedon talking about, like I said, specifically calling out torture porn as a genre, stuff like Saul, stuff like hostile and that attitude that you just mentioned. So yeah, like definitely they've said as much. So I think maybe where he's wrong is I still like that stuff, right? Like I still like saw it's more like make whatever, right? Like let's break the boundaries of, of the medium. And I think the one thing one one thing I wanted to say about the the money side of it is there were people bitching about Killers of the Flower Moon just recently came out, which is Martin Scorsese's movie, and it isn't going to make money. It's going to lose money. And and someone said, you know, if we can't collectively come together and allow give Martin Scorsese one hundred eighty million dollars to make a movie every couple of years, then like where are we as a society, right? Like, let's be real here. Like, it's okay. We should be maybe less focused on that or maybe try to find new ways to incentivize. I know that there were grants for movies in a lot of other countries because like they prioritize art and like, maybe that's another route we need to explore. So, well, I think the other problem with that, maybe going on a further tangent is the idea that people don't care because they're not going to see the movie in the theater. And I think one of the things that theaters have been fighting for pretty much since the home video market came out is how do we convince people that it's worth coming to a theater 
to see a film instead of waiting to watch it at home. And we're just battling a different wave of that right now, because I think there are a lot of people that are saying, I would love to watch the new Scorsese film, but I don't want to go out and see in the theater. I've gotten used to over the last several years not doing that or feeling uncomfortable doing that. And so it's hard to not look at that and say, obviously this is a failure, it didn't make a lot of money, but I think the reality is people have just evolved and changed in how they want to consume media, and that's the thing that studios are trying to adapt to, so that they can say, yes, they didn't go to see it in theaters, but that doesn't mean it's a failure, it doesn't mean we shouldn't support more of this. We just have to figure out how to meet the audience halfway. I think we're on the same page. No, I agree. But I think it's cool that this dumb little horror movie, not even horror comedy, is saying all of this and and, Mm -hmm. can lead to these conversations, which I think is like what they're going for. And I think it's a fun ride too, because even if you're not getting all of that from the movie, it's still a worthwhile and fun watch. Because even if I Mm -hmm. watch it and I don't get all that, I still have like all of the tropes that I can appreciate. And even if I don't fully understand those, the movie itself is still funny, oh, kind of yeah. scary. No, you don't need any of that. It's just fun to see that there, it's there. It, but it's, yeah, it's so layered but deep in there. All that being said, Brianna, I have to say, I don't think they can do a sequel. Because I think a exactly. sequel goes against everything they were trying to do mm-hmm. <laughs> with this movie. But because they have the science fiction element kind of already woven in and have that groundwork laid, come on, we could easily like jump into a Donnie Darko like parallel universe. Like we could do all <laughs> kinds of stuff with this, guys. Like, oh, please, somebody write it. Just like throw me a couple thousand dollars so I can retire in a trailer somewhere on like a hundred acre plot. That's all I need. You can have the rest. Give me a prequel. I, I'm okay. That's right. I, will say I, one I really thing just want to explore that. One of the theories that floats around out there, and I don't think this was intentional by any means, it's just a way to view it, is the idea that every Joss Whedon property is in the same universe. And in that context, the reason everyone left Earth and moved out into space in Firefly was because of this event is uh, one of the the ways of reading this. (laughs) So in theory, if you want to subscribe to that, Firefly is the sequel. (laughs) It's the uh, Workplace Harassment Cinematic Universe. There you go. There you go. But that's my my long Do We see any other themes in this, or any other like? uh... No, I think themes is the word I'm looking for. (laughs) I guess the other thing I'll point out about it, just that I enjoy this aspect of fiction, is I I appreciate the idea of there being a message to whatever your artistic endeavor is you're saying like oh i i want to you know i don't know just to pick a thing out of a hat say you wanted to make a movie and you're like i want to focus on mental health and really point out the value in paying attention to your mental health whatever the case may be but i also like that this movie to me feels a bit also like um goddard and whedon trying to make sense of why they like the horror genre so in some ways you could view it as not so much that they have answers but they have questions and they're trying to figure out maybe the answers to that just by presenting the questions i I don't know how much anyone's into comics but uh brian k vaughn who did why the last man and ex machina paper girls um i i feel like that's always what he ends up doing with his fiction where he's like i have questions i don't have answers i'm going to write something to try and wrap my head around the questions 
and I could see that this movie being a little bit like that. Like we we do these things over and over in the horror genre with the tropes that we follow, but um, but why? And we don't have answers. But let's just let's get it out there and let's talk about it. Let's ask those questions. I agree. I like that take a lot. And it does seem like they were like having a lot of fun making this. And you can tell that maybe they were like, let's, you, I, we see this in this movie. Let's do this. You know, let, let's play on yeah. that, which is asking those questions. Yeah, I like it. Any thoughts, Hannah? You got any themes? I'm so brain dead today. Oh, that's right. We, I mean, I think we covered the big <laughs> one, which is like, we've all been yeah, there. Really I feel awesome. like you've covered. Uh, the customer has to. What do you say the customer needs? Oh to? yeah, gotta keep the customer satisfied. That was during the. So you need to see her uh, her nude. That was the. Well, another quote I problem. liked from that scene too was your basic human needs disgust me in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, was sure. that kind of implies that they might not be human. All the people in the lab. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's your sci-fi element. Just that. They are, and again, it's shit talking that we need to have that. Yeah. Like, oh, that's true. That the audience needs it in a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Like that trope does not need to be the there. Horror. Yep. So that's what I took it as. But I mean, sure, maybe they're not human. Also, that would be fun. I think either reading's valid. Although I just took it as you know, laughing at their wanting to see the boobs. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Who doesn't want to see boobs? Let's be real. Yeah. True. Yeah, they made a good point. <laughs> I was happy They're about it. They're universally appealing. I don't make the rules. <laughs> That's what it was. It was getting society to think about the fact that they enjoy seeing boobs. <laughs> that was always the point of the film. Body positivity. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of anything else I want to say about it. I do like how it's culturally everyone has like a different set of, of rules that they have mm-hmm. to abide by. And that falls back into, I think, the box office. It's like, this is what makes money. Right, so you have your um, your ring type movie with all the the school children <laughs> in Japan. Like I forget one of the other countries had like a creature feature. Yeah, just like really gets me. And that year, everyone failed, yeah. so the audience was not happy. But makes me want to watch Ringu. Yeah, we should get to that at some point. Do you read the end of the world though? And like my pro art sentiment is that the end of the world is like we're tearing down these these tropes and like let's expand and allow all these other things to get made which i think is what we did end up seeing post the 2000s um but i don't know you know i wasn't really paying attention to horror movies in 2000s because i was uh young <laughs> and uh like maybe there were a lot of other good things being made but i don't know i think there's always something good being made if you dig into it for every era i i definitely think you can read the end of this movie as as revolution rather than apocalypse it's saying what we've done before doesn't work so now we have to rebuild from scratch and i think that that is a good thing i think it is good for us to say hey this other stuff isn't working or it's boring and or let's just try something new altogether and then you develop new tropes and then everyone starts replicating it and then the cycle repeats yeah and then you fall back to these old tropes and make requels and they they're still fun so yeah it's all about make i think it's just like make what you like is kind of what yeah. I take away. Mm-hmm. Not what the audience likes, not what the studio likes. You make what you like. It's all about nostalgia. It's all about, you know, back when you could just throw a girl in a volcano, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Those were the days. That was one of my favorite lines, too. That was hilarious. Mm-hmm. How old do you think I am? 
I feel like that's referencing the prior generation of horror movies as well, right? Yes, like the fifth. Like that to me spoke to like the fifties and sixties, sort of like pulp horror, like creature features, and you know everything was had this like island vibe to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Hammer awesome. horror films, all the technical. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, well, I think we can do ratings. I don't think I have too much more to say. This is a cool movie. Very. That's like all we can come down to. If you like horror, it's a, uh, it's like a, just a good homage, good parody, and I think um, a good challenge to the horror community. So, want to be rating first, Hannah? Or, or does anyone else have anything they want to say? Universally um, pleasing with a little bit of a, like a different spin on it. I was there for it. Mm-hmm. All right, Steve, get us started with your rating. Out of ten. Out of ten. Um, out of ten. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go nine out of ten. I'm oh. I'm not giving it a perfect ten because I'm not sure that I'd say this is a perfect film. But uh, whatever flaws I have mentioned. The thing is, this is supremely rewatchable for me. Like I said, this is one of the few movies I can throw in at any time and be perfectly happy to watch it. And so at least from an entertainment side of it, maybe it's not the most artistically perfect or maybe there's, you know, there's other flaws, whatever they may be. But I can watch this at any time and there's very few films I can say that about. So, yeah, I'll go nine out of ten on this one. What about you, Brianna? I'm going to say Steve is wrong. This is a 10 out of 10. And I'm going to counter with the fact that I'm going to give it that extra star despite its artistic shortcomings because it's so rewatchable. Because this is something that I will play, you know, at least two or three times a year just because it's kind of like a comfort watch for me. It's funny. I know when to laugh. I know when to do like the jump scares. Like it's just fun. Uh oh! I <laughs> we were not going to. I'm high shocked too. going that high. I, I like it. it. What? Okay. You're going I'm an eight. No, I no. Here's the here's the problem I have is I like it, but I'm now comparing it to other movies I've rated, and like, it's not Silence of the Lambs. You know, it's not Midsummer nope. in my eyes. I can't. So in in my head, I was in like the seven point five range, <gasps> which is I really like it. It's good. Dog, but like, come on, that's it's too not, low. Maybe that's a little low, but I'm. But are I'm, you judging it in its personal horror category because you can't problem. compare it to something no, like I Silence of the Lambs? No, you're right. That's the problem. This is why ratings are dumb, and I do. I say that on every episode. <laughs> I go, ratings are bullshit. You They're are dumb. Correct. They mean nothing. I'm trying to compare it. To my, it's very good. Everyone should watch it. But it's still, it's 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 not like the most amazing thing I've ever seen. You know, that's all I can say. I can't say a lot of bad things about it. But it's seven point five. It's a, a solid good seven point five. I'm okay. Giving movies ratings keep the ancients from rising up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go like eight, eight point five, probably eight point five. Okay. I really enjoy it. It's not my like favorite brand of horror. It's not in my top five or my top ten, which is why I wouldn't put it higher. I really like more aesthetic. Or I really just like I I'm an A24 girly. She's an elevated horror girl. <laughs> I'm a bitch. It's fine, but I still really really enjoy this. And I think having rewatched it, having now seen some of the older slashers that it's referencing, which I hadn't previously, I 
can really enjoy it. And to me, as much as it's a parody, it's also a love letter to horror. And I love that. So for sure. I'll go 8.5. 8.5? That's high for you. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. But overall, I said it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. I it's worth watching. Two thumbs up. It's a it's a great like Sunday afternoon. Put it on, you know. Put it. Watch it on regular the afternoon because the lighting. Watch, watch it Not in the, the dark. lighting. You're right. You're <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. I just mean it's one of those ones that comes on TV if you had cable and it's like ooh, Cabin in the Woods. Oh yeah. And you sit and For watch sure. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever it's free on streaming, I always watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that about wraps it up. So thank you guys for joining. I'm gonna let you plug yourself again. So tell us where to find you. Uh, yeah, so you can find us at Is It Horror Pod on Instagram and X. You can, of course, email us at Is It Horror Podcast at gmail.com. And you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, so that's Is It Horror. We analyze media not traditionally thought of as horror and try to determine whether we think it qualifies. Um, it's just kind of a fun exercise for this genre that we all love. There's no wrong answers, it's, it's the funds in the analysis. Yeah, what Steve said. Thanks for having us, though. This was fun. Thank you for joining. I'm glad that this gave us, one, a reason to rewatch this movie, but also a little more time to hang out with you guys. So (laughs) what a lovely way to spend a Sunday night. Yep. We are so exciting. (laughs) True. But, yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. So I guess we're going to sign off here, though. Unless we have anything else to say. No. I'll just say watch. I keep saying watch the movie. It's good. Yeah. Good time. Yeah. You ready? Got it, Hannah? Thanks for joining. I'm Hannah. I'm Matt, Hannah. Bye. See you. Thank you for tuning into Horror Hour with the Hannahs. Make sure to listen to future episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube, and follow for additional content on TikTok or Instagram at Horror Hour with the Hannahs. If you like the podcast, please leave a positive review on your favorite podcasting app. Happy hauntings.